see you guys. Thank you to the Chaos Theory crew. It's only an hour, Jeff. Out, Jordan Scruggs. Jordan, how you doing with the voice today? You better? Uh, yeah, I'm a little better actually. A little okay, better. I'm, I think I'm the one on the struggle bus today. So, uh, but we'll we'll power through it. We'll get through it. We got less than 24 hours until the start of the early signing period. Uh, Jordan, you want to recap or you want to get to news first? We'll recap yesterday. You want to get to some of the the latest. To start off, the ball is in your um, court, sir. We can we can hit on yesterday. Um, give me like half a minute. I need to finish this one paragraph. <laughs> Go for it. Nice. Um, so yeah, as we were talking about with Wags and Rodney, Texas gets better at the safety position. Picks up Xavier Filsamy, the flip that has been long, long in the works. They get Andrew Makuba out of the transfer portal again. Jordan has done a really good job of telling you guys that was happening without explicitly telling you guys that was happening. Uh, and then uh, we haven't really, we talked about him yesterday towards the end of the show, but uh, Amari Winston is really interesting as a tight end take for the class of 2025. So really you look at what Texas did yesterday. You got a 2024 high school prospect, a, uh, a guy in the transfer portal to make an immediate impact and the class of 2025. I said this when I was on with Bucky and BK Jordan, you you haven't really known Texas to be in this position where they're winning at an elite level on the field and you're seeing the recruiting fallout, for lack of a better term, uh, the windfall come from that. And and I think, again, I think you're going to see that maybe more in the 2025 cycle than to finish off 2024. But this is how it was at Texas at one point in time. Like, tech, you you would win games and then, you you know, you get the – the recruits you wanted, like you're, you're, there wouldn't be many holes left on that board, that recruiting board that you set out with at the start of the cycle. Uh, it's just a really nice, refreshing place to find Texas uh, in terms of where they are right now as a program under Sark. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> I like as Ricardo points out in the chat. So we haven't been rich for 15 years. It's nice to be rich again and getting richer. That's pretty much where the Texas program is right now. So it's a really good spot for Sark and company to be in. Uh, you know, well, again, I, I don't think they're done, you know, benefiting from the windfall because typically it's the next recruiting class where you benefit from it. But whether it's Ty Anthony Smith or Dominic McKinley, you know, there's still things to be had, things to get done, recruits to get in the bag, in the boat, if you will in this 2024 cycle. So you get Andrew McCuba and Xavier Filsme fill your needs of safety. You you address the tight end position in the future. Jordan, before we get to, are, are you, are you good, Jordan? You had a stop yeah, pointer. I'm okay. Good. I'll, I'll, I do want to address this as, as we basically were kind of picking up where we left off yesterday in terms of Amari Winston and talking about the future of the tight end position. If I had to put the metaphorical gun to your head, Jatavian Sanders, does Chavin Sanders, you think he's more likely to stay or go at this point? Shit, man. Um, I let people tell me both, honestly. But, you know, honestly, at this point, it looks like he's going to stay. Yeah. I yeah. Like, I'm starting to feel like he will. Um, but, again, that's not, you know, that's, like, if I felt confident enough in saying that, I wouldn't be <laughs> breaking right. the news on here you know what i mean like yeah. that's not a that's not a done deal by any means and i don't think it will be until after the bowl but um 
Emory Winston, man, it is a very interesting uh, take, very interesting player. Um, I like the take a lot. Um, six, one and a half. Some people are worried about height. JT Sanders isn't that tall. I know he's obviously a different athlete. They're built very differently, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm very confident in who the staff likes to take. Um, and you know, if they feel like Emory Winston could be a game changer, like to tell him, then, you know, who am I to say he can't? Um, yeah, I love his film. I like how he's not just, I feel like Texas, the way they've kind of, at least last cycle, like it felt like Will Randall and Spencer Shannon were both. It's like, okay, these are our blockers, right? Jordan Washington is like our pass catcher. JT Sanders, is he doesn't really count because he was just a freak show out of high school. We don't. (laughs) But like Washington's a pass catcher. The 223 guys were, were blockers. Like Emory Winston is both. Like yeah. he's a jumbo sized six foot one and a half tight end that's humongous. Mm-hmm. You hear high um, school coaches use this term a lot, uh, talk about that sniffer back, a sniffer position. Basically, it's a fancy term for kind of your move guy. If you run a lot of 12 personnel, you typically want one guy to be your predominant inline guy. You want another guy that you can move around. And we've seen even with even what they've done with JT at times this year, Jordan, we've seen times where he's lined up in the backfield. Maybe they'll motion him out, but at least to present that look, Winston gives you that uh, that potential to to be able to show that look, and maybe you can keep him back there as a lead blocker or whatever, or you know, throw him a, a flare or a swing pass or something, and and get him in space. I mean, you maybe do some different things with him, but yeah, he's it's just if you get a guy like like getting a guy like JT Sanders is like. It's the equivalent of like if you had, let's say you got like a CD Lamb at wide receiver, right? Well, is he is he a slot? Is, is is can he play out wide? Yeah, yeah, he can. Like, just it, you're not gonna find guys like that all the time. It's like getting a running back like Bijan, right? I don't care what system you're in. If you're a gap, you're a predominant gap scheme team, you're a zone team, whatever. Man, Bijan can get into any system and and make it work. If you wanted to run. Wing T with Bijan, you can probably do that and make it work. And he still rushed for fifteen hundred yards at the college level because he's that good. Yeah. But more often than not, man, you're those those guys are few and far between. To your point, like you're not going to find a, a Jatavian Sanders in every cycle. You might find one every every few years, maybe. And if you find one, can you go get him? But this is the way. This is how I think. To your point, how they're going to build the tight end. You've got your group of inline guys. You got a Jordan Washington who's, you know, almost like a flex tight end could stretch the field, be a be a true a legit receiving threat, and then Winston is kind of that that sniffer position where you just kind of move him all over and do different things with him. Yeah. By the way, the kill shorts to Kentucky just got announced. Okay. Um, I guess we'll talk about the two other additions they had yesterday. One, Xavier fills to me. Um. I said it yesterday, but, dude, they just – yes, they had Derek Williams, who's a five-star most of his recruiting cycle. But there isn't anyone on the Texas roster or anyone in the Texas secondary that is the athlete that Phil me is. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know who else on the team has gone sub-10-6, like, as consistently as he, he did as a sophomore and a junior. 
Um, like I, that's actually a very interesting content piece that I might come up with. It's like the track times of the the guys on the team from high school in the 100 meters, stuff like that. Um, Worthy probably did, but you're talking about two completely different body types. Yeah, let me see if I can pull up what Worthy ran in high school. Worthy was more of a 200 guy, if I remember right. I have no idea. I've slept since then, but they should just be up on his profile. Yeah, it probably is, but I just went to mile split. Okay. 10.65. In 2019, um, so that would have been going into his junior year. So yeah, he, yeah the spring of his sophomore year. He didn't run. I don't, I don't think California. He has a few different. Yeah, he has a few different profiles on here, like from club track. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like I have Xavier Worthy's 2015 100 meter time right here from. I don't know whenever he was like 13 or something. Uh, but you'd have Worthy. Uh, Keelan Robinson would be another one. Uh, I, Keaton Crawford had some pretty good 100, 200 times mm-hmm. in high school. Uh, Keaton Crawford kind of feels like an off-brand uh, Tyler Owens. Oh. Like, Keaton Crawford didn't get the five-star rating to, like, where he was set up to fail from the jump, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> but, Yeah. Similar body types. I feel like similar, like, testing freaks, but kind of taking a while to put it together on the field, maybe. Uh, I also just completely pulled that out of my ass, so if it sounds stupid, it probably is. No, um, uh, it's it's probably uh, kind of in that same category, a guy that more more prospect than player. Yeah. Tool, yeah. Toolsy, toolsy guy, not a – yeah, you, you're – if you're – if you're an NFL franchise and you're getting Keaton Crawford in the camp, you're not doing it because of what he put on film in Texas. You're doing it because you want to see what the tools look like at that level. Maybe he's a guy that's in a, a rookie camp for a weekend and that's it. Or maybe he intrigues somebody as a special teams guy. I don't know. but Yeah. Um, and the other one, Drew McCuba, man, finally coming home. Finally coming home. Actually... Hold up. I'm, I'm going to show y'all something. <laughs> One second. Jordan went dark. I have no idea what he's doing at this yeah, point. This was this was not yeah. planned. I, so. I, if, I mean, yeah, it wasn't. If I'm scaring anyone, I'm sorry. I don't mean to. But this is the type of guy Drew McCuba is. Game-worn Clemson gloves. The 7-on-7 uh, the seven seven program I work with, uh, he would send a box of all of his Clemson gear home, like, once a year. And he would send, like, a box to LBJ, like, twice a year. So if you've ever pulled up any LBJ game or been to a 7-on-7 tournament where Juice is at, everyone is wearing Clemson <laughs> sleeves and cleats <laughs> and gloves and stuff like that. Because Drew would go to the equipment room and be like, hey, I lost a pair of cleats, so, like, they broke. And then would, like, ask him for him to come back. But... Yeah, I never, I never put in a crystal ball for Drew McCuba just because, um, like the kind of kids that come from the program, I don't, I just don't put in picks. Um, it's yeah, kinda unfair, and my relationships with them are outside of just being a reporter as well. So, yeah, um, I just, I, I don't want to make it weird by ever putting in crystal ball. Same reason I didn't put one in for Selman Bridges or Micah Hudson, anything like that. Because um, mm-hmm. it, it's just, it's a weird dynamic and. And yeah, so 
But Drew McCuba's finally home. He gets to play for Coach Fenner again. Um, I mean, I, Coach Fenner does work with the running back, so I guess not really, but you get the point. <laughs> Um, if you if you watch uh, if you if you're intentionally looking for him, anytime the camera pans to Sark during the Texas yeah. game, you're probably gonna, unless Sark is crouched down, you're probably going to see Jamal Finner in the in that camera frame. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it's a it's an awesome story because Jamal Finner is actually kind of who found Andrew McCuba and told him to play football, but. Um, I think I've told that story before. If not, it's for another day. Um, hey, how do, how do you feel about Ricardo in the chat? Jordan calling you a bragger for showing off your your Clemson. Uh, Man, I was just I, don't, I saw Clemson someone on a board asking why I was like the only one in the Texas market to not put in a pick, and I just didn't respond to it. But that's a why. Um, I mean, like we everyone knew that was happening. Everyone did, but yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm not gonna make it weird or awkward for myself with going forward in the future with how I decide to work. Um Hey, is that by the way, is that the only piece of like game used, game issued memorabilia you have? Uh kinda, yeah. Yeah, well not kinda, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just I don't feel like getting up or digging in the closet for anything else. I just knew I had that out. I got you. But I've got yeah. I've got one in the uh it's where my ottoman doubles as like a storage box. Oh yeah. So I've got a I've got a Texas game issued jersey in there that a, a good friend passed on to me. So nice. Maybe I'll nice. show that off one of these days. Yeah. So we covered the the three commitments from yesterday. Let's see, if we get into who could potentially pop today. Dude, let's just get before we or get to tomorrow. McKinley. Before we get to yeah. Before we get to McKinley, because that's a little more layered. Yeah. Anything new with Ty Anthony Smith? Like man, I, <laughs> I talked. Uh, I talked to uh, people in Jasper yesterday who said he's he's telling everyone he's going to A and M. Apparently, he's wearing a bunch of A and M stuff at school yesterday. Um, people you talk to outside of Jasper feel very different about that. So, um, if he commits, if he signs with A and M. I wouldn't be surprised. If he signs with Texas, I wouldn't be surprised. If he signs with Colorado, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, that's kind of just how this one is going. Um, it's like you hear different information from everyone, but um, as you can see, uh, right now the crystal ball pick is still on Texas. Um, for me, for Anthony, or for me, for Hank South, for Steve Wolfong, for Mike Roach, um, that's where we think he's going. And... Uh, he, talking to uh, his head coach, whatever this past weekend, they said we'll find out on Wednesday. So, do you, um, do you think he's uh, is, is Ty Anthony still denying that he, he was at Texas over the weekend? I didn't even bother asking him if he was going. I just heard that he told <laughs> other reporters he wasn't there. But I was just like, <laughs> I just didn't bother even, texting him. Even yeah. even though even though you got visual confirmation from from a source that he was in fact on campus. Say, like, yeah. no, I, w- I wasn't there. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, oh, that's great, man. That's yeah, good. I, 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 props to the kid for, uh, you know, I don't know if you want to say he's leaning into the bit at this point, but, man, just, hey, man, uh, this is what's coming out of his mouth. This is what he's saying. So you got to, I guess you got to take him at his word. But yeah. I appreciate it. I know it's hell, it's hell for you, but I appreciate it. 
Yeah, it's not fun to cover, but I mean, you just you gotta have stories ready for anything. Um, but, right, so that's Ty Anthony Smith. Let's get to let's get to Don McKinley. Uh, yeah. Steve Wolfong, was that last night or this morning that Steve kind of dropped that that bomb on Don McKinley that he might sign tomorrow? Uh, yeah. Does it? I think, and I don't want to mix Steve's words. I don't know if he's edited or anything else. I don't think so. But says basically, if he signs in the early period, it's not going to be with Texas A and M. Texas and LSU pushing hard. Where are you at with Don McKinley right now, Jordan? Because correct me if I'm wrong. When he was gonna, when he committed the first time, mm-hmm. everybody kind of thought it was Texas and, until it wasn't. Yeah, and he ended up picking A and M. Now we might be looking at it the other way around. Yeah. Um, <laughs> man, <clears throat> to be honest with you, like with the really big cycles, Hank and I will kind of split up like whose kid is who, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So McKinley has primarily been the recruitment that he covers, but, you know, I've been kept in the loop and I do know a little bit. Um, the family is still telling people that they plan to sign in February. So I'm never doubting Steve Wolfong, and if he's reporting something, that means he feels good about the source. Um, but the family is, has been telling people their plan is to sign in February. Um, I don't think he ends up at A&M, regardless if he signs tomorrow, regardless if he signs in February. Um, if – if damn, I'm blanking. Who is the coach that went – Elijah Robinson. Yeah. Elijah Robinson was never at A&M originally in the summer i don't think don mckinley is committed to a&m right now or ever is or was um and i think that's i think it could take some time for him to decommit if he doesn't end up signing tomorrow um but again i I really don't think he's going to end up at a&m when it's all said and done um it was really interesting with lsu in the first recruitment around because uh pretty much every in-state kid in louisiana dreams of playing in death valley and in lsu and yeah. Uh, the only state that I think can rival Louisiana in terms of how much pressure there is on kids to go to the in-state school uh, is Arkansas. You know, any prospect from Arkansas is kind of forced by everyone around him. Like, you need to go to Arkansas, and it's the same thing in Louisiana for LSU. But um, there was some – there's definitely some situations with um, the McKinley family and the LSU staff. Uh, they didn't have a defensive line coach and kind of had a revolving door of a defensive line coach for mm-hmm. over the summer, which played a part. Um, but man, for the, the last few months of the recruiting cycle, or the last few months leading up to his original commitment, it was very clear he was not going to LSU. It, it was very, very clear. Um, and it always felt like UT, A&M, or OU. He liked Ohio State, but that was way too far from home. Um, yeah. And it was kind of always UTA and MOU. And then LSU would get thrown out there and you check around and it's like, no, still the same thing. They're still kind of, you know, not too happy with the staff and all that. But, you know, uh, time changes everything and uh, time heals. So do bags. Um, So that said, you know, he could sign tomorrow, end up at Texas. He could end up at LSU, OU or anywhere. He could sign February I just think no matter what, he's not going to end up at a And M. That's real. That's that's fascinating to me. Um, yeah, you and got a kid to go. Go ahead, Jordan. Sorry. Yeah, since the Elijah Robinson firing, I mean, this is kind of always how I felt. Uh, 
and I just didn't think he was going to sign with A&M since it came out. He was going to Syracuse, but I mean, he's held on this far. I just hadn't been asked about it, but um, yeah, I don't think he's ending up at A&M as of right now. Uh, you know, he's a kid from Lafayette, uh, goes to Acadiana, and at the end of the day, man, like you said, it's really hard, the in-state pressure. You said Arkansas. I would agree. I mean, oh, oh, kids from the state of Ohio that pressure to go to Ohio State. Basically, mm-hmm. you're you're trying to look for, you're trying to look for school, you know, big state schools that there's not a number two, you know, there's not a real number two option. Ohio's one of those with the pressure kids go to Ohio State. But the closer you get, I've seen this too many times, Jordan, with these kids that they might be committed to, they're committed to Texas or they're committed to Bama or wherever somewhere other than LSU, the closer you get to signing day, man, that pressure becomes intense for those. Not so much kids in the northern part of the state like Shreveport, Monroe kids. I mean, those those kids are kind of isolated. But the closer you get to Baton Rouge, man, that pressure just, dude, it is, yeah, it, it weighs on kids. And I've had kids tell me that, that it weighs on them to to try to tell LSU no, even, even coming down to the 11th hour. Yeah, you know, it's really hard to do, and it really takes some nuts for not just a kid, but the whole family. Um, but, yeah, that's where it is with uh, with McKinley, another guy we're watching with uh, Ty Anthony Smith, who could be today or tomorrow, or at least I'm expecting it sometime this week for sure. Um, UTSA edge transfer Trey Moore. Um, went and visited Alabama this past weekend. Uh, the tide's very much in it, but, again, I just – I mean, his dream school is Texas. He's dreamed of going to Texas. Texas made it clear with them um, that, you know, they want them very badly and they'll kind of do whatever it takes to make sure that they land him. And he really feels like a priority. Um, so that being said, you know, I'm, I'm fully expecting him to end up at Texas right now. I think it could be close, and it is a little closer than I might have thought. Um, but, again, I, I do think he's going to end up at Texas and could see uh, – could see an announcement in the next 24 hours, 48, 72 hours, sometime in there, I think. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, kind of the latest with Trey Moore. You think – are we getting any surprises tomorrow? Because I know there's some guys that, you know – Aaron Hampton's one of the guys that you talked about that, man, Alabama's yeah. really been on him. And plus, as many times as he's changed his commitment, you just – you never know. As of right now, everybody that's in this class – for Texas, are you expecting national letters of intent to come in for all of those guys tomorrow? Um, yes. The so you brought up Aaron Hampton. Um, that's something we've been tracking for kind of two months, honestly. And Hank and I have just kind of kept private because um, you don't want to talk. <coughs> you don't want to put that out there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, we, we talked to source on the staff. Texas is fully aware of everything we were hearing. Um. And they very much do want to keep him. They they definitely want to keep him. Um, but this morning, I did get a call from uh, someone else in the 24-7 network who told me, like, hey, I'm really starting to hear this. And that was the first time it had come from someone that wasn't directly my source. Um, so that being said, we've had a uh, decommitment story written since I first got a call about two months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's still saved <laughs> and ready to roll if it happens. Um, Aaron Hampton is the kind of kid you don't really ever get a heads up. Um, I mean, we've all been through this before, but 
Um, yeah, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's not in the class or if he is in the class. But uh, if he doesn't end up at Texas, he's going to end up at Alabama. So uh, we should find out here shortly. He is an early enrollee, so he has to make up his mind. Um, and while signing day is tomorrow, it's actually a signing period that opens tomorrow and is open until yeah. Friday night at midnight. So he can wait all the way up to 11.59 at midnight if he wants to. And, I mean, so can every other prospect. Um that is an early enrollee. They just have to sign it by the end of the period to be able to move in in January. Um, yeah. But yeah, some guys will take it all the way to the deadline too. Like I, I was talking to a different sport, but I was talking to Dylan Mitchell about um, his uh, when he pulled his name out of the, the the pot for the NBA draft over the summer. Mm-hmm. And it's like eleven fifty eight, and you're like, dude. Or actually, it was ten fifty eight because it was midnight Eastern when the the deadline was. And I was mm-hmm. like, man, I was like, I don't see anything on Dylan Mitchell. Nobody's heard from him. And then he put something out shortly after eleven, and I asked him later. I was like, dude, I was like, were you just trying to get the graphics set, or were you? He's like, I really could not make up my mind until pretty close to the deadline. Like, well, you cut yeah. it pretty dang close, so. <laughs> Um, yeah, but anyway, that's some guys will some guys will take it there. So other other than Aaron Hampton, no <clears throat> no other surprise, no other surprises are imminent as far as you know. Bad surprises. Um, no, you know, not that I know of right now. Um, Ricardo asked, would Hampton be considered a big loss? Um, depending how you look at it, I guess. Um, me personally, I, I say not at all. Um, he's he's gone both ways at a small level in high school and two-way context is always good and it does help with um, like there there is evidence by data in the NFL draft that players who go both ways in high school play multi-sport in high school are more likely to be drafted earlier and just more likely to be drafted in general um, so I don't want to say that as bad but I just meant he's played everywhere and he He's not a Travis Hunter type of athlete where he can go both ways in high school. Very few guys yeah. are. A lot of people think they are. They're not. He is not one of them. He can only play one position in college. It still really isn't 100% if it's receiver or corner or safety or star. It's still not 100%. Um, and it's also just like, dude, he's committed to so many different schools. There's there's some other stuff there as well. Um and uh, uh, if we look at him as a receiver, I like DuBose, Parker, Livingstone, and Wingo, all three more than him as a receiver. If we look at him as a DB, I like all the other DBs more than him as well. Um, um, I, I wasn't laughing at anything you said, Jordan, or laughing at Aaron Hampton, but the two-way thing is funny because I we, we had a we had a Longhorn Blitz podcast where uh, CB will probably remember this. Rod Babers and I had about a knockdown, drag out fight. You remember that spring where Texas tried to move Duke Thomas to to wide receiver? Like they're gonna give Duke Thomas a look at wide receiver. And I'm like, I actually, I don't remember that, but I know Duke Thomas actually very well. Okay, so Texas tried basically they're gonna play him both, trying to play him both ways. They were, they were at least experimenting with it in a, a spring. I think he even caught a touchdown in a spring game, but <laughs> I remember. Rod was just so set against the ideas. Like, dude, he needs to just focus on being a good corner. I'm like, well, I mean, he's a good athlete. You can get the 
if he can get the ball in his hands, maybe he can make something happen. And Rod was like, what is he freaking Charles Woodson? Like, what are we talking about here? And we, I don't know. It's one of the best arguments Rod and I have ever had was over freaking Duke Thomas and his, his ability. I love Duke, by the way, but his, his ability as a two-way player. I don't think I've ever told Duke that, but yeah, probably the biggest argument Rod Babers and I ever had was over whether it was worth, worth the, the, if the juice was worth the squeeze to make Duke Thomas a two-way player. Yeah, the only the only player I've seen in this year's high school senior recruiting class, the twenty four class that that I think could actually go both ways at the next level and be successful is uh, Terry Bussey, just because he's never yeah. come off the field in four years, like ever. Like Aaron Hampton will get subbed out, um, and there'll be games where he's only on one side, and big games will go both ways. Terry Bussey has never not played one hundred percent of the snaps. He's also the punter. And returns <laughs> kicks and punts. They obviously don't ever kick it to him. Yeah. But but yeah, I'm telling y'all, man, if if y'all ever want to see what it looks like to see a, a man amongst boys, watch Terry Bussey highlights, man. Like phenomenal kid. I know he right now and there's I mean they're actually I can talk about that actually. Um he's he spoke with the media after uh, he won the state championship game and he told them he wasn't planning on signing. Uh, tomorrow he's planning on signing in February. Um, he's not an early enrollee, so you know he can wait it out. Um, he mentioned while he is still committed to A and M, he would like to take visits to uh, USC, Alabama, and LSU. Um, he also mentioned A and M. He is. I don't think he's been able to get back there um, with the new staff, although I'm not sure. And he he is like, yeah, I am committed to them, but you know I need to work on building relationships with the A and M staff and all that. Um, he didn't bring up anything about Texas, uh, but I did talk to someone at Texas who told me that um, they would be making a push or they plan on making a push for him if he does actually end up signing in February. I mean, you, ha- um, you have to. Yeah. You have to. And another thing, um, there was only one Texas coach at any of the state championship games throughout all 12 of them across four days. There was only one coach who showed up. Now, a lot of it was because they were practicing and coaches can travel up there because um, they, they were just getting into bowl practice and they also had a bunch of big-time visitors on campus this weekend also, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Blake Gideon was at the 2A D1 state championship game, which Terry Bussey was in. Um, and he wasn't on the field. I think it was trying to be covert or whatever. But he was in the the Texas High School Coaches Association suite, and that's how I, I figured out he was there because I have a I had a source who's also in the suite. Um, so I found that very very interesting, and that's whenever I double checked with someone. You know, would y'all actually push for him? Because their pursuit for him has been very strange to me. It's for that's for a behind the scenes story. The the Horns twenty four seven Holy Grail that'll come out in February, but <laughs> um, not not yet. Um, yeah, Terry Bussey's the only guy I think who could actually be successful at the next level in like a Power Five conference and going both ways. He's just that special of an athlete, and he's also just a phenomenal kid, man. Like I was so happy he got to go out with his last game as a he finally won state and finally made it there and everything. Like um, Bali Sports did a did a special on him that I think is about ten minutes. It's probably on YouTube or Twitter if you want to find it. It's a great watch. Um, Long story short, he's just his whole life has been marred by tragedy with his family. And Timpson's a really small town out in East Texas, and 
he's a he's the most famous person already to ever come out of there and he's 17 18 years old and um a lot of these five-star prospects are really not fun to work with at all if i'm being completely honest with you um (laughs) they're just they're just not fun to work with um and the ones that that are really they're really good kids that are really nice like they make you really appreciate them more because when they have a five star next to their name and they're being very nice and easy to work with and courteous and everything and respectful like it really makes you appreciate them more and that's all terry ever was he was a pro's pro and he won everything too at the 2a level and never never talked about oh i'm him i'm all that whoop-de-woo like never did that never complained never nothing he just went out there and worked and that's why I'm, I'll be a Terry Bussey fan forever. Um, but Deshaun Jameson was a two-way player his freshman year. I'm not no, sure. No, he wasn't. He wasn't a two-way player. Him. He was just a wide receiver. You know, he, he. I think he might have done some corner on the side in practice, but he was. Uh, he was a wide receiver exclusively as a freshman. I, I don't. I mean, I'm just trying to think of the guys like in in my lifetime. Or just in my consciousness of watching the program that could have done it. Like Ramos Taylor's a guy that could have done it. He could have played, he could have been a two-way player. You ever um, hear did you ever hear the story of why he got kicked out? Did I've yes. I've heard if there's a Ramos Taylor story, I've heard it. So yeah, I've I've heard <laughs> There's even uh, we we've let the cat out of the bag on on the Blitz podcast, but uh, Matt Butler, my co-host there with myself and Rod, uh, Matt was down in South Padre for spring break one year, and uh, apparently Ramont's was involved in a a skirmish, if you will, that led to law enforcement showing up and Matt inadvertently getting pepper sprayed. So I always like to remind Matt that hey you got pepper sprayed because of Ramon's Taylor on spring break. So um yeah it's just there's there's a lot of RT stories out there man. A lot of them. Different yeah, guy t- now though different guy though. What's he doing nowadays? Um last at last check I think he was I think he's a high school coach now. I think really I know he was at All Saints and man yeah. I I want to say he's involved in the with the Marlin program in some way, shape, or form. To me, that sounds right, but you know, founder of Vermont's Taylor Youth Association, Marlin High football, basketball, and track coach. Okay, so I guess he's still at Marlin. Yeah, no. So the story I was told by someone who played <laughs> on an adult seven-on-seven team with him was that um, he was uh, a drug dealer in this time in Texas. And someone that came and robbed him and stole, like, all the stuff, and he called the police and said, hey, someone just stole all my illegal stuff, and they showed up, and he still had a little bit of illegal stuff, so they got him for that. And Mac was just like, hey, you're out. And that's the story he told this adult 7-on-7 team, like, two years ago. (laughs) Yeah, man, it's it's a shame. It's a shame because that dude... um, was special. Ramont's Taylor, yeah, just no other way, no other way to describe it, man. Ramont's Taylor special. So Ramont's could have been a two-way player. Um, you know, Curtis Brown was a guy that I think could have been a two-way player. Uh, Earl Thomas had the talent to do it. 
But yeah, there haven't been too many guys that you could legitimately say. Kendall Sanders was a guy that when he was recruited, I thought could have been just as good a receiver as he would have been a corner. And I actually liked his upside of corner a little bit better. But yeah, not not too many guys, not too many guys can actually do it. Bussy, I'm I'm with you. He he can. It's weird, man. Like everybody <laughs> now, everybody thinks like, oh yeah, I could be Travis Hunter. Like, no, dude, you you can't. Like, there's yeah, God, God Travis, makes a certain Travis Hunter people. did re- irreversible damage to the egos of some of these kids. <laughs> yeah, like you're not. No, there's only been one ever Travis Hunter, and you're not. You're not even close, bro. Yeah, not even close. Uh, Dejay Johnson or Monts? Yeah, yeah. No, it wasn't. Dejay Johnson's actually training somewhere in Pflugerville, last I heard. I don't know when the last time it was I saw Dejay, but. I like DJ. Good, good dude. DJ Johnson is, and my dealings yeah. with him. So, another another Austin area kid. Shout out, shout out, Fleurville ISD. Um, all right, Jordan. What else? Right? Yeah, he was a Hendrickson kid. Um, you know, I was just looking at the list of five star guys that I've covered just to validate your point on whether five star guys are easy to work with or not. Uh, Jonathan Gray, super easy to work with. Uh, Here's the thing, like Jonathan Gray, Jordan Hicks, Jackson Jeffcoat, all those guys, those guys handled their recruitments exactly the way they needed to be handled. Now, you got to remember, this is pre-Jonathan Gray a little bit, but a lot of this was pre-social media. So, like, yeah. Jordan Jordan Hicks would have a conference call every week. Like, every Tuesday, he'd have a conference call. So, it would be, like, the Texas reporters, the Ohio State reporters, and like like the Florida reporters, like everybody be on the conference call and you could, you got 30 minutes to get on the conference call with Jordan Hicks. So that way he didn't have to take phone calls from, you know, nine different reporters at night. You got all your stuff right there. Jackson Jeffcoat, everything went through his dad. Jackson didn't do a ton of interviews. Jonathan Gray, I think his family would send out something like, I remember his dad sending out a kind of a quote sheet after, you know, the visits he would make just so everybody had, I mean, we all had the same stuff, but it would save him from having to do, you know, 25 different interviews. Um, That's wild. I've never even thought about something like that. <clears throat> what, like the conference call bit? Yeah. I'd be like, bro, if that, I want my own quotes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but you know, back then, Jordan, yeah, it was... I, like, I understand. He was in Cincinnati, too, wasn't he? Yes. So like, really yeah, it wasn't, like I could go, yeah. it wasn't like I could go to the high school once a week and chop it up with Jordan Hicks. It wasn't like me covering running back Malcolm Brown, where I was living in San Marcos at the time before I moved to Buda and now back to San Marcos. But, like, uh, Steel High School, Cibolo is, like, 25 minutes from me. Like, I... The, the coaches at Steele got to know me pretty well during the times Malcolm Brown was a recruit. Um, you know, Brew McCoy, Mike da- Mike Davis wasn't in the class long enough. Malik Jefferson, awesome to work with. Uh, she what 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 has, what can you say about Bijan that hasn't been said already? So Texas had a pretty good track record to getting five star guys that end up being pretty good dudes and, and pretty productive players. Yeah. Um. I've been starting to think about like what are the categories I'm going to do for the superlatives because I'll I might do superlatives like after this signing day on Wednesday instead of February because it's yeah. not like there's any scoopy stuff I'm hiding or anything there you know what I mean <laughs> yeah um by the way thanks for reminding me of that I need to get the content plan out when we get off of this when we're when our show is done so thanks for oh, yeah. reminding me of that um <clears throat> anything else though Jordan anything else we we've forgotten or 
before we move on to other business? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. So there's your updates on uh, Don McKinley, uh, Trey Moore. Talked about Felsamy. Talked about Makuba. Talked about uh, Emory Winston. Uh, Mike Roach mentioned this. He, Mike, Mike's put up a couple stories that I wanted to mm-hmm. ask you about. One, we mentioned him a little bit yesterday, but, man, has anybody gone viral as fast as Byron Washington has sure. gone viral? Any any offensive lineman. Offensive linemen don't get any kind of recognition, but, dude, Byron Washington has blown up since that state championship game on Saturday. Yeah, no, it's hilarious because, dude, he's been around. This is his third year being around. Like, we've known <laughs> about him forever. Um, I remember his freshman year. Being on the sideline, I went to like six DeSoto games that year. That was in 2021. Um, that was John Tay Cook's junior year. And uh remember I I have a buddy who uh shoots video for DeSoto and runs our social media. That's kind of how I got into media, was doing photography and videography. So I have a bunch of buddies who do that. And I'm like, Jeter, who the hell is this big ass? Where did y'all who is this? And like, why isn't he playing? Like, what's wrong with him? Like and he was What's like, yeah, and he was like, oh, that's Byron. And I'm like, how old is he? He's like, he's a freshman. And I was like, mother of God, no way. And I'm like, where did y'all find this kid? Like, I would have heard about him if he was in y'all's middle school system. And he was like, yeah, he moved in from Monroe, Louisiana. And I was like, what the? F-? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, is he is he good? He's like, no, he can't play. Like he's he's met, something's wrong with his legs. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I don't know. I just know something's wrong with his legs. And I was like, okay. The next year, the same thing. He didn't play at all. He would just be in street clothes on the sideline at DeSoto's varsity games. I went to a bunch of. I mean, you go to a bunch of DeSoto games every year. They're always loaded. Specifically, yeah. right now with Texas Town. I'm like. Is that the same? Yep, yep, yep. What's wrong with his legs, bro? What's wrong with his legs? I don't know. I finally asked the Soto coach, and they were like, yeah, so he grew. And I saw um, the Athletic wrote a story about it, but he grew six inches in like six months. And, yeah, had a wild growth spurt, yeah. Um, And they had to do surgery on like his growth plates or else they would have like broken and he wouldn't have been able to walk. If like – because his legs were hurting so bad, he's like, I need to go to the hospital. And they went and did emergency surgery, and they were like, yeah, if he didn't come in, like, if he came in two or three days later, like, he wouldn't have been able to, like, walk normally ever Jeez. again. Yeah, and so he had to get cleared, and they had to figure all that out. They put rods in his legs. The rods are now aren't in his legs. Um, whenever you can't really move around or walk, you're going to gain weight, which is mm-hmm. part of why he's so big. Because it's not like like he's bigger than he was his freshman year. He's still the same height, but he he weighs more. Um, it's because he he can't move a ton, man. But um, I think Texas is in a phenomenal spot for him. Kyle Flood is like the king of getting these uh, obese minors. Um, that's what he does. So uh, Byron also absolutely loves Texas. It's clear they're his favorite school when you interview him, even on record. He's not trying to say that he's his favorite, but you can just tell based off the tone in his voice. Um, I feel very confident he's going to end up at Texas, not just talking to him, but people around him and everything. And I put in a crystal ball like two months ago. And um, while I think 
he he did say after the state games, he's like, yeah, I'm going to announce at the All-American game after the game. And that's how people are going to find out where I'm going. I was like, oh, fuck, dude. I hate those are the worst, dude. They're so annoying because it just it, it goes on and on like the Kobe Black thing. Like, I get it. I get it. I really get it. And most of the yeah. time, the schools and the staffs don't want to put up with that shit either. And they'll tell them, hey, like, if you don't commit before your senior year, we're not taking you. <laughs> and like Baylor, for example, they had a three star named Brendan Bett who had nowhere else to go except for Baylor. And that kid's actually really good. I loved him as a prospect. And he actually played more true freshman uh, defensive tackle snaps than anyone else in the Big 12 did this year. Um, Colleen Ellison's finest, by the way. But Shout out to Mike Harge. Yeah. Um, but Brendan Bett, <laughs> I completely just lost my train of thought, but went to Baylor. That was his only offer. He was always a great player. Um, where I'm sorry, Jeff. Where was I going with this? I'm trying. I'm also trying to edit my photos from state because I've like yeah. You were talking about just uh, the whole hat dance, the whole ceremony thing for. Oh committing. yeah, with Byron. Yeah, uh, Brendan Bet. <laughs> he committed on his OV and texted me. He's like, "Hey, I'm committed." And I was like, "Okay, cool." Um. Can I put in a crystal ball? And he was like, yeah. He declared, he had no idea what it was. Um, but he said, yeah. And I was like, sweet. Took it and ran with it. I'm like, so when do you want to commit? You know, do you think I can get some quotes? He's like, oh, I'm going to do it on signing day. And I was like, oh, God. Called someone at Baylor. I'm like, hey, are y'all actually going to let Brandon bet dude on Saturday? And they're like, hell no. We're, we're just going to tell him we won't take him unless he commits within a week. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> he committed within a week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I'll be, I'm, I won't be surprised if Byron doesn't end up getting to commit, um, in December, like he hopes, but, uh, I, I feel really good about him ending up at Texas. And again, I put in a crystal ball pick for a reason. So, um, unsure how long it could take, but you know, they're in a great spot for him. And I think they'll continue to be in a great spot for him as well. Um, and Yeah. Yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna swing and miss on an old line prospect, do it on someone who's swing six, and eight, miss and on the pounds. six eight three hundred and sixty yeah. pound kid. Yeah, yeah. It was funny because at uh, I I can't. I had this conversation with someone yesterday. I can't remember if it was on this show or not, but. Whatever he's listed at, he's not. Hey, we talking about that yesterday. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and let me say this too: what I just said about swinging. If you're going to swing and miss, swing and miss on the six eight, you know, three sixty plus or four hundred, whatever Byron Washington <laughs> yeah. is, that's different than quarterback. You can't, you know, you can't have the the you can't yeah. have the Mac Brown deal where you know you only you get take, one QB. Yeah, you take Tyrone swoops because you're worried about you know if he goes somewhere else and becomes Cam Newton, you wouldn't be able to you won't be able to live with yourself like that's. That's a different deal, man. You you got to make if you're if you're taking the right number of offensive linemen, if you've got the right number in your program, like it's not going to matter at that yeah. point if you miss on one, right? If you're taking you know where you should be like four or five a year, then some guys are going to wash out. Some guys will go somewhere else for playing time, and you should you should have a nice little cycle of, of offensive linemen. But it's it's that I don't want to get too deep into the weeds, but that's tough, man. Like you seem like dude, Alabama's had problems. You know, field and yeah. offensive linemen. They've had to go grab linemen out of Dude, the Dude, Georgia has had like 20 transfers. Yeah. Yeah, because 
And I tell you, I, it's not going to happen right now, Jordan, because some of those guys, you know, are making progress towards degrees and, and plus, you know, they don't want to leave a team that's, you know, in the playoff right now. Yeah. I, I guarantee you, you're going to see line of scrimmage attrition at Texas after spring practice. You know, when that portal, when that portal window opens for the summer, yeah. because some guys are going to see the writing on the wall at that point. Like, dude, I'm, if I want to play college football, I got to go somewhere else to do it. Like, it's just, my time here is, is short. So yeah. it, it's, but again, if you're recruiting, if you're recruiting the right type of guys, that shouldn't be a problem. Mm-mm. You can, you can withstand some losses. Yeah. And it sucks. But like, if you're a successful program, like you want to be stacking talent and so much that you have to push out the guys you thought were good out of high school. Yeah. Like it sucks. It sucks for those kids. It sucks for those coaches, but that's, if you want to be successful, that's how it is. It's a doggy dog world. And yeah. Yeah, man. Um, you know, like you said, Georgia, we've seen it, Alabama, Ohio state has dealt with it. Um, you know, it, it happens. It happens, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, were you able to watch any of the state championship games? I watched, I tried to watch a little bit of specifically the five A's and six A's. I tried to watch a little bit of, of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I want, I want to run down some, some guys though that played in those games. I mean, Colin Simp, we'll start with actually anybody else in that, uh, DeSoto Summer Creek game. I know, uh, you know, Chad Woodfork's a guy you've talked about quite a bit, but, uh, you yeah. know, Tiger Wrighton's a guy that uh, – Tiger Wrighton has a Texas offer, does he not? He does. Um, and while I think Texas is going to be in the top three for him or even top two potentially, I don't think he's going to end up at Texas. Okay. But, again, a tech, like you said, Texas caliber yeah. talent that's at least interested in Texas at DeSoto. Mm-hmm. Anybody really jump off the page to you in that Summer Creek DeSoto game? Um, not really. Kind of just because they had everyone eat. <laughs> I mean, they scored seventy four points or seventy three, however much it was. Like, you you get a touchdown. You get a touchdown. Did but, it did it do um, anything? Did it do anything to change your opinion on Chad Woodfork one way or the other? Or is that just one of those deals where it, it just it didn't matter? No. Yeah, it it really didn't matter. And I still view him as like much more of a. a a prospect, not a player right now, if that makes sense. No, it makes total um, sense. But, but yeah, that was just an ass whooping. It was an ass whooping. Uh, DeSo- uh, Duncanville North Shore, you know, man, I know he was the defensive MVP for the second year in a row. I, I just like the fact that in big games, man, on these big stages, Colin Simmons has been able to produce. I know we look at the, you know, the tools with him. But, again, a, a guy that just has a natural knack of being able to get to the quarterback, dude, give me guys like that all day, every day. Yeah. Um, while Colin has taken many plays off as a senior, um, he turns when he turns it on, he really can't be fucked with. Uh, it is. So, it's that's not getting that's not him unusual. to turn it on and getting yeah. him getting the best out of your players is what Reginald Samples has been doing for decades um, and what Steve Sarkeesian has been doing for decades. So I don't think it'll be a problem when he gets to Texas. Um, I think Texas fully knows what they're getting into. 
Um, but yeah, it, that's the best game he's played all year. Um, it kind of makes you think, like, what if he did that, you know, for the 14 other games Duncan Bull played? Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, he's a state champion again, a defensive MVP again. And it was kind of wild. Like, I, I've been at a ton of Colin Simmons games, man, throughout high school. And mm-hmm. um, so some said he was living that North Shore backfield. Yeah, he was. He, he he was, but compared to some of the other times I've seen him, like he, re- it felt like he really didn't do much, which is kind of wild. Just you know who I could say the same what, thing about what he's done so much in other games. But go ahead, uh, a guy who was a great player at Texas, man. I thought the same thing of Alex Okafor in high school. Like you would watch one Alex Okafor game, and it's like, my God, like this guy looks like he's going to be a a, a no brainer draft pick three or four years down the road. And then other games you watch him and it's like, dude, I didn't even know he was on the field. Yeah. And, and and some of that's because, I mean, defensive ends, you can run away from defensive ends in high school. And, yeah, you know, and th- that's a big part of Colin's senior year. And the stat uh, regression is, dude, everything has been schemed away from him this year. And yeah. he's been very, very vocal and upset about it. And part of it is like, hey, if you're the number four player in the country or whatever you are, uh, that's kind of what you have to deal with. Like yeah. Garrett Wilson was triple teamed every single game his senior year and still went for like 800 yards because yeah. he missed a few games. But yeah. like you got to adapt. Um, and everyone that was in your shoes ahead of you went through the same thing. So it's not going to be oh, easier for you. I, re- I remember, and, and I, I go old school, Jordan, because that's because I've been watching I've been watching high school football at that level probably as long as you've been on this earth. Um, mm-hmm. I remember Jordan Shipley's senior year at Burn It. I remember watching a playoff game. Here in, here in San Marcos at Bobcat Stadium against Somerset. And I remember yeah. they – I've never seen anybody bracket, try to bracket like four guys on one guy, but they <laughs> did. So what Burn It did, even though they had Stephen McGee at quarterback, they stopped throwing it to Jordan deep and just yeah. – threw him screens and he would just kind of weave his way through. And then boom, there goes Jordan Shipley for a 70 yard touchdown on a bubble screen. Like, yeah. Jordan, Jordan Shipley's in that rare group of best high school players I've ever seen. But yeah, some dudes can just do that, but it's easy to scheme away from defensive ends, but that's they're different body types, but that's the stuff I hear on Colin Simmons reminds me a lot of what I saw from Alex Okafor back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, dude, top top players I've seen at the high school level. Um that's a hell that's a hell of a that's a hell of a show topic for any time we want to do it to get into it. But yeah. I mean, Garrett Wilson's gotta be up there for you, right? I mean, I know you you played with them, so that's a little bit different, but I actually have Micah Hudson ahead of Garrett Wilson. Really? That's how much I that's how much I believe in Micah Hudson. Dude, I saw every single varsity snap Garrett Wilson played in high school. Micah Hudson on signing day about to enroll at Tech compared to Garrett Wilson on signing day about to enroll at Ohio State. I feel like Micah Hudson's further ahead than Garrett Wilson was. Like that's truly how special Micah Hudson is. Um, and again, I saw Garrett Wilson play from sixth or before sixth grade through. Like I, I kind of saw Garrett Wilson grow up because because me yeah. and uh, my stepbrother and him are on the same team and everything. Um, but yeah, Micah's up there. Garrett's in there. Devin Sanchez from North Shore is 1,000% in there. Um, the Corian Moore is in there. Colin Simmons is in there. Who else? Who else? Oh, Jordan Seaton from IMG is in there. 
that's yeah. the best offensive line I've ever seen at the high school level. But at the so same here, time, yeah. I never saw Kelvin or DJ Campbell. Here's the thing: like, if we're talking about best high school players we ever seen, we've ever seen, do do all star games count? Where you were there, like watching a week of practice? Uh, I wasn't counting them, but I guess you can. Yeah, because like, I, whenever I say best, I just think of on um, their high school team. Yeah, in Texas high school players. The only reason I brought up Seton was because I went and saw he plays for IMG. I went and saw IMG play uh, Ensworth, or they played someone else. Uh, I forgot who they played in August. And me and Colin Kennedy went up to Nashville and saw it. Um, I man, if I'm if I'm making that list, Jordan, yeah, Des Des Bryant's probably still number one for me after all these years. Des yeah. Bryant's up there. Uh, Jordan Shipley's up there. Jonathan Gray. Is in there just for for what he was at Alito. Um, in terms of like the, I don't know, best is one of those relative terms. But man, defensive tackle Malcolm Brown when he was at Brenham, just one mm-hmm. of the just freakiest dudes I've ever seen on the field. I mean, to be that to be that big and you know to be able to catch passes as a tight end, I, dude, I'll never forget. I'll never forget this as long as I live. I, they were playing Huntsville. Brendan was playing Huntsville at Bower Stadium in Huntsville. Mm-hmm. And Huntsville's kind of driving the ball. And Malcolm has one of those snaps where, now like we were just talking about with Colin Simmons, like it's kind of lackadaisical. He kind of stands up at the snap, just kind of titty bumps the guy in front of him. And Glenn West, who I think, I think Coach West is the president or the vice president of the THSCA now, Gets out to the numbers and just screams, Malcolm. And Malcolm Brown looks at him. Coach West doesn't say anything, just stares at him for about five seconds. Malcolm goes back to the huddle. And the next play, I'm talking like it's the most explosive movement I've ever seen a 300-pound guy make. Splits a double team and buries a dude. Dander takes the handoff from the quarterback and buries a running back like probably six yards deep in the backfield. Yeah. And it's like, holy shit. Dude, I'd never seen a 300 pounder be that explosive. No, and that dude, that dude started as a rookie for the Patriots and has a couple Super Bowls now. So, yeah. If you want to see a guy do some freaky shit that's that big, DJ Sanders from Belleville, 2025 D lineman, that kid is a total freak show. He's Emmanuel Sanders' cousin. Uh, yeah. He's a little cousin too. Um, dude, go watch his sophomore year and junior highlights. It's effing ridiculous how quick he moves. And at State, it was just like, I was like, I love good interior D-line play, so I was like drooling. <laughs> um, I was like, damn, we've got Devondre sweating this bitch. <laughs> I got a, that's Trey and BK joining us. I got a call. I ended up watching way more of this game than I'd care to admit publicly, but I'll do it now. Uh, Saturday, while there was all kinds of state championships and bowl games and everything else going on, I was actually watching that D2 national championship game between Colorado School of Mines and Harding. Um, but my high school offensive line coach called me and they're texting me and he said, Hey, the wing T is alive and well. He's like, you got to watch Harding in Colorado school of mines. And I started watching it and I'm like, damn, I mean, Harding is running the same offense. I ran back in high school almost 20 years ago. And like, well, they were like the first team in any division in the NCAA history to go for 6,000 rushing yards in a season. So. Yes, I BK. I enjoyed myself watching the Division Two National Championship game. Yeah, I enjoyed myself betting on Harding to knock off the top-seeded Colorado School of Mines. The Landmines had no shot on Saturday. 
the landmines. I didn't know. I didn't know Colorado School of Mines. Their mascot is the ore diggers. The ore diggers. The ore diggers. Wow. How's that? How's that grab you, Trey? I'm just happy to hear that mimes are doing something other than annoying people on the streets of Paris, you know, although it's hard to imagine how somebody who's just acting things out and not actually doing it is going to be so successful in football that they make it to a championship game. Well played, sir. Very well played. <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. I don't know what you're that. talking about, Jeff. You did say mimes, right? Yes, Colorado School of Mimes. Do you, you need to go to college to be a mime, or is that something? The Colorado you just, School of Mimes. Can you go rogue? Can you be a rogue mime? Hmm. It's uh, it's it's like stand-up comedy. You just have to start doing it and go through years of humiliation. Although the humiliation never really stops if you're a mime. If you're a comedian, hopefully you get good enough to where uh, it's less embarrassing over time. If you're a mime, you just you can't tell anybody. I mean, you're dressed in that paint for a reason. Your family doesn't know, want to know you're a mime. They'd rather hear that you're a hobo living on a street corner than a fucking mime. So like it's kind mime. of so being a, a lot of hate. Mime should be the one getting all the hate. Although, being a mime and being a stand-up comic, it's kind of like doing it. You just got to go through years of embarrassment, and at some point, you hope to just be mediocre at it. Well, yeah. Good to know there's hope for me then. There is hope, BK. Are, are you are you striving for mediocrity there, BK? Uh, I've been striving for that my whole life, Jeff. Man, at some at some point you just realize, like, dude, it's just it's it's all about just did the objective get accomplished? You stop you stop worrying about performance and just worry about production. Mm. I am a, a quantity guy, not a quality guy. <laughs> More ways as, than one, as I as I think a lot of people are in this world, BK. Yes. <laughs> all right. Indeed. You boys have a good show. Hey, we're uh, we'll hit it on signing day tomorrow, so we we'll have, I'm sure, news. And I don't know if Jordan's gonna be able to get through the whole show tomorrow, so we'll we'll find out though. <laughs> I'm gonna try. <laughs> gonna All right, try. see you guys.